you open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8, we'll continue through 1 Samuel. Well, let's kind of just jump right into it tonight. In chapter 8, I'm going to read the first couple of verses. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second was Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes. And they perverted justice. Oh, we've heard that before, haven't we? Here's another man of God where his children have gone astray. But before we get to that, and we'll talk a little bit about that, I just want you to notice that it says, and when it came to pass that Samuel was old. Which means we skipped a whole bunch of time here. He went from being a younger man to now he's an older man. And as part of his, when he was a younger man, if you'll notice at the end of the last chapter, what it says It says in verse 16, he went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. So as he's aging, he's busy traveling. As he's traveling, he's judging Israel and and doing the things that was required of him. But, But that had a consequence at home. You see, because as he was so busy doing the things of the Lord, it would appear as though there was some problems in his family that didn't get addressed. It, was a, it would appear, and this is my speculation, that because he was gone so long, because he was traveling so much, maybe the time that he spent with his children, maybe he spent quality of time, but he didn't necessarily spend a quantity of time. You see, there's a difference between quality and quantity, and, and children need both. The quality is that we spend quality time with them, but I can tell you with my own children, some of the best conversations, some of the, some of the teaching moments that just seem to be the most profound come simply because I was there at the right moment at the right time, just by being present. That The conversation that takes place at 10.30 at night when everybody should be in bed because I just happened to be there can be much deeper than the conversation that I try to arrange and say, listen, when I get home tonight... At 5.30, we'll sit down and we'll talk. Those, those don't always work out the same way as those conversations that just happen is, is because, because a parent is, is present in their life. And I think that as we saw that with Eli and his sons, now we see Samuel and his sons, and, and certainly this is speculation on, on my part, but I think there's some truth to it. Because he's always traveling, there's obviously something that went wrong. And as he's getting older, as he's pulling back, he, we read here in the scripture that he made his sons judges over Israel. And he give, we were told the names there, Joel and Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not, they didn't walk in his ways. They weren't committed to the Lord like Samuel was committed to the Lord. Instead, instead we see they turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. It became about money. Money, dishonest gain, that's money. Taking bribes, perverting justice, that means I'll, as a judge, I'll decide for you if you'll just pad my pocket a little bit. If you'll do something for me. No longer looking for the truth, no longer looking for justice, just simply doing whatever will benefit them the most. And the people see that. People know that. People aren't, aren't stupid when that's going on. The word's gotten out. If you pay, the, if, you know, if you pay Joel or you pay Abiah, they're going to they're gonna choose you. They're going to side with you. word's gotten out there, and they come to Samuel. Look at verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, and they come to Samuel. They came to Samuel at, at Ramah, and they said to him, Look, you're old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king 
to judge us like all the nations. I want to show you something here in the nation of Israel. And I want to call it, let's call it, there's, there's a complication. There's a complication going on. There, there's a problem going on. There, there, there's something going on in the nation of Israel. And as we're, as we're referencing this to the nation of Israel, I want you to also reference it to your own life. Because a lot of times we can be represented by the Israelites. So think about this. There's a complication going on in Israel. Samuel's getting old. His sons are judging, but they're not judging justly. They're taking bribes. But there's also some military conflict that's going on in Israel because the Philistines, the Philistines are, are off to their west and they're, they're providing pressure on them. They're, 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 they're always attacking. They're, they're not having peace with them. And off to their east, they have the Ammonites, so the Ammonites are always attacking. So Israel is kind of in this, in this uh, there's, there's a complication going on. Life's not easy. Life's difficult. There's a problem going on, and the problem is multi-pronged. There's multifaceted things going on. We're having some military problems. The judging problem is there's some, you know, there, there's, the, the judges aren't judging the way they're supposed to. There's, there's a lot of different things going on. There's a complication. And then they want, to, they want to have this confrontation with Samuel. They have this confrontation with Samuel where they come to Samuel and say, hey, listen, listen, Samuel. We're, they gathered together at Ram, and they said to him, look, you're old. <laughs> That's not what he wanted to hear, right? You're old. You're not going to be around much longer, Samuel. You're dying, buddy. You know, we know that you can't live forever. We're old. And your sons, they're not like you. They don't hold the same value of truth you do. They're not connected to the Lord like you do. They're not the same person. They don't have the convictions that you have, Samuel. They're easily swayed. A few dollars will have them choosing your side. They're not like you. So here's what we want to do, Samuel. Just make us a king. Would you make us a king, Samuel? Just make us a king, and he says very clearly, now make us a king. Let the king judge us like all the other nations. We want to be like everybody else, Samuel. You see, Israel had prophets, they had priests, they had judges, but there was no king in Israel. Why? Because God was their king. Israel means governed by God. That's what this means. God was their king, but here the people of Israel... In the middle of their complication, they're going to have this confrontation with the man of God because that's who they would go to, to God. They're having this, this, this confrontation with him. And they said, listen, Samuel, I want you to make us like everybody else. Everybody else has a king to lead them into battle. Everybody else has a king to tell them what's right and what's wrong. Everybody else has a king. We want a king too. Now notice something or remember something about the Old Testament prophets like Samuel. When the, the people didn't have direct access to God like we do today, they had to go through the prophet. The prophet represented God to the people. And the prophet also represented the people to God. So he was going in between. Do we have a prophet today? Sure we do. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not your prophet. You don't have to come to me to go to God. I would hope not. You know, and, and, I, and you don't have to come to me to hear from God. But that prophet, that he's the perfect prophet. He, was our, he, he is our priest, our prophet, and our king. So it's kind of like the people of Israel are going to, they, they want to go to God, but they can't go to God, so they're going to the man of God. It'd be like somebody coming up to Jesus or going to the Lord Jesus Christ today saying, listen, Lord, I'm having some problems in my life. I'm having some complications in my life. And here's what I want you to do. How do you think that would work out for you? But that's really what we see playing out here in the scriptures. They have this complication. So they have this confrontation with the man of God. Today it could play out as a confrontation with God himself, where people go to God, I have these expectations. God, why can't I be like everybody else? 
God, why can't my life be like so-and-so's life? Because they, their life seems so good. Their life seems so wonderful. And I look across, and what about this person's life? And, and oh, if I could just be like them. You don't know what their life really is like. All you know is what you see of their life. Be careful when you ever consider or even go to the Lord and ask to be like everybody else. You see, God had called the nation Israel out. I'm going to call you out. I want you to be different from everybody else. And the way that I want you to be different is I want you to be governed by me. I want you to come to me when you need protection. I want you to come to me when you need food. I want you to come to me when you need something. That's what he wants us to do too. As, he, as Christians, he says, I, I've called you guys out. You're, I've called you out of the world. I don't want you looking to the world for your resources to survive. You're having a problem in your life. I want you to come to me. I want, you to, I, want, I want to be the one that you turn to. I want to be the one that you look for. I want to be the one that you, the first person, first thing you do is cry out to God, God, this is what's going on. Help me. I don't want you to come to me and, say, and tell me how to fix it. God doesn't need us to tell us, how, doesn't need me or you to tell him how to fix the problems in our life. What he needs us is to obey the things he's already told us. Because remember, Israel's problems stem from their disobedience of God. Right? Did he say, when you go into the promised land, drive out all the inhabitants of the land? And they failed to do that. So the very problems they're experiencing today are a result of their disobedience of God previous, previously in previous generations. And now they come to Samuel with this confrontation, this, this, this sort of, not even an ultimatum, he just said, Samuel, we want a king, we want to be like everybody else. Now if I was Samuel, I would have given it to him right there. I would have said, listen, you people, you stiff-necked people, what's wrong with you? But Samuel models it perfectly. Look what he does. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Samuel prayed to the Lord. If you realize, and maybe you've ever, have you ever talked to somebody who's living in complete rebellion to God? And you just want to give them a piece of your mind. You can tell them exactly what's wrong. You can, you, listen, you need, to, you need to repent. You need to stop doing this. And you need to fix these things in your life and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But Samuel just, he, he goes off and he prays. He just prays to God. And there's two things that happen when he prays that I think the first thing we're going to see is that he gets confirmation or he gets direction. And the second thing, he gets revelation. The Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Instead of fighting the confrontation, instead of going at it, doing battle with the people, Samuel goes to prayer and he gets a deeper understanding of the problem. Rather than spouting off the mouth and quoting scriptures to them, he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, I'm not happy about this. I don't like what this is. These, these people have come to me. And Samuel, and the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel, it's not you. It's me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. The Lord said, heed the voice of the people. Go ahead and do it, Samuel. And all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Samuel, they're just simply saying they don't want me in charge anymore. They want a man in charge. They want a king in charge. They don't want God. They don't want to wait on God's timing and watch things happen supernaturally. They want to watch a man produce them very naturally. Now, here's what I find amazing. 
If you don't think God gives people a choice, here we see it right here. God gives us a choice. And God, he lays it out here. Go ahead, Samuel, do what they want to do. Go ahead, make them a king. Make them a king because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. When we reject the things of God, we're rejecting God. When we reject those things that in God's word, when it comes to God's word and God says, this is what I say in my word. This is the promise I make. This is what I say don't do. This is what I say do. When you say, well, that doesn't apply for today. That doesn't fit into our culture today. That doesn't really make sense to me. Therefore, I'm going to reject that. You're not simply rejecting a piece of the Holy Bible. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting the author of the Bible. You're, you're saying, no, thanks. That, you, you can't, we can't pick and choose what we take and what we believe. And I like this, I don't like that, because that makes you God, because you're the one that says, then you're the one rewriting the book. Look at verse 8. Let me, start, let me just read 7 to read it in context again. The Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. That's the confirmation. That's the, the direction that Samuel gets for them, from, from God about what's going on. And then in verse 8 he says, According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me, and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. God says to Samuel, they're doing to you what they've always done to me. Yeah, they follow you for a little while, Samuel, but now something goes on, there's a confrontation, and they're just going to reject you. They'll follow for a week. But notice, this has been going on since they came out of Egypt. God is still with them. He's still with them. I think I would have thrown these people out on the street a long time ago. But he made a promise. And if Israel doesn't prove the promises of God hold true, I don't think any one of us could take the rejection of a person as much as God, the Israelites have rejected God and still be there for them. So he says to Samuel, they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now here's the thing. If you were to ask an Israelite, hey, are you serving God? Absolutely, I'm serving God. Are you serving you know, Jehovah God? Absolutely, I'm serving Jehovah. Well, what's that idol in your house? What's that thing in your house? Well, that's just something, that's, that's a hobby. That's just something I do. You see, I don't think for a minute they would have come outwardly and said they have stopped serving Jehovah God. They have just let everything else filter in. And now they find themselves in this place where they say, we've got so much of the world in and we've got so much of God in, the, the world is now overtaking the God, and we're just going to be like the rest of the world. Just give us a king. Just let us have a king. Now, here's what you need to understand about kings. An earthly king has who in mind? Himself. At best, at best, he has the kingdom in mind and what's, what's good for the group. But here's what they're giving up. When they serve the king, when they serve Jehovah God, who does Jehovah God have in mind? You. You alone. You see, a king will make a decision based on himself or what's best for a kingdom. But what God tells us is what's best for me. God's not interested in the kingdom. He's interested in the people. The, the kingdom of God is happening, and, and, and we'll, we'll get there. But when God says, hey, listen, I don't want you to do this, or, or, or God's law comes out and says, hey, don't do this, don't act this way, don't say this, don't think this way, it's not because it's good for the kingdom, although it might be. He does it because it's good for you. 
specifically. We have to understand as followers of Jesus Christ, the things that we don't do, the reason God says, hey, don't do this is because it's good for us or it's harmful to us. And he really does have our best interest at heart. He really, really does. So the Lord here in verse 9 says, Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So what we see is we see a complication in the, in the life of the nation Israel. We see a confrontation with Samuel. Samuel drops down to his knees and goes to prayer before the Lord. The Lord reveals the, the true heart of what's going on. And he also, he also shows them, uh, he gets this revelation, a revelation of what's really going on in their heart. But he also is told what to do. Prayer will often do that. It will give you that revelation of what's really going on in your life. But you'll also find the direction that you need. Samuel's right on, right on point here. He gets the revelation, which is, go ahead, give him a king. He gets the reason, because they're rejecting me. That's exactly what's taking place. Don't you think that broke Samuel's heart? He's been judging Israel. He's been traveling. He's given up his family life. He's been you know, trying to be there for the nation. And now the nation has come to a place where they've simply said, I just want to be like everybody else. I don't want to be different. If we're Christians, we better be different. Our lives shouldn't look like everybody else. Our homes, our TV sets, our computers, they shouldn't look like the rest of the world. Our cars, whatever, whatever the things that we do, our hobbies, our time, where we spend our money, it shouldn't be like the rest of the world. I, I heard it said one time, if, if somebody came into your house, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Or is there no evidence at all? Could someone, if you were to disappear and they were to come back, come back to your house and they picked up, you know, what would they find laying around? Would they be able to say, yes, this is a Christian. We get, there's stuff on the wall. There's, look at all these Bibles, you know, or there's, you know, you're laughing because I collect Bibles. <laughs> See, that's my evidence. I'm getting, you know, I collect Bibles. So would there be evidence in your home to convict you of being a Christian or would it just be one of those things that you just kind of do or, or you're just kind of testing out? You know, the Lord says to Samuel, before they do this, give them a warning. Tell them what's coming. Tell them what's, tell them what's happening. And, and isn't that such in the fashion of God? God says, I'm not going to do something to you without telling you. I'm not going to send you to hell without telling somebody they're going to hell. I'm, not, I'm going to tell you what's coming. So I want you to tell them, Samuel, go tell them what a king is going to do to them. That's the warning. Look what he says in verse 10. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He's going to take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He'll appoint captains over his thousands and his captains over his fifties. He'll set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest. Some will make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. So he says, the first thing he says is, hey, go tell them that they're going to lose their sons. They're going to lose their kids because they're going to be brought into the army. They're going to be brought in for the, for the national cause. We have to support the kingdom. We have to defend the kingdom. So therefore, we're going to draft, you, draft your sons into the army. Some are going to be going ahead of the chariots. That's probably the first persons to be taken out along the way. Then some are going to be in the chariots, some are going to be making weapons. They're going to have different jobs, but they're not going to be part of your family anymore because we're going to call them into the government that's being set up to work for them, but also your daughters. 
Verse 13, he'll take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, bakers. He'll take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He'll take a tenth of your grain and your vineyard, a tenth of your grain and your vintage, and give it to his officers and his servants. So he's going to take your daughters. He's going to take your fields. He's only even going to do, take a tenth of your grain. What's that like? Taxes. He's going to tax you on stuff. You don't want to be governed by God? Fine, you're going to be governed by a king. But I want you to know what you're getting into, God says. There's going to be taxes. Your kids are going to be lost. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of heartache. He'll take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. Whose work? His work. Not the work of God, but his work, the work of the king. He'll take the tenth of your sheep. That's 20% now. You'll be his servants. You will be his servants. You will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. The warning is sounded. Samuel says, you want a king? This is what it will cost you. And I don't think he could have been any more direct. He spelled it out pretty clearly for them. The warning is given. The warning, is, it comes out loud and clear. You're going to lose your sons. You're going to lose your daughters. You're going to lose your field. You're going to be forced to pay taxes. And then in verse 19, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. The people said, no, Samuel, no, no. Thanks for the warning, buddy, but we're going to have a king. We don't care what you say. We don't care what it costs. We want to be like everybody else. We want to have a man to put our faith in. We want to have a man to put our trust in. We want to have a man that can go out and fight our battles for us. It's a picture of them completely forsaking God. God says, wait a minute, I'll be your light, your pillar of, pillar of light. I'll be the one that covers you. I'll be the one that works with you. I'll be the one that provides for you. And they don't like what God's providing at this point. But they don't like because what they think God is providing is a direct result of their disobedience to God. That's where they're missing the connection. They're looking at their life going, I have a complication. And the complication is, is and God's not fixing it, therefore I'm going to go a different route is what they're saying. But they're never opening their eyes to the fact that the complication is a result of their disobedience to God. That's a lesson that we need to learn. Because there can be something going on in our life where we can be saying, God, fix this, God, fix this, God, fix this. And we have a complication in our life. And notice what Samuel did with the complication. What did he do? He went to pray. And what happened in prayer? He got that revelation. He got that direction that he needed. The complication should drive us to prayer, which will give us the revelation and the direction that we need. It seems so simple, doesn't it? But in order for us to understand or even for us to see, and please don't misunderstand, I'm not saying that every complication in your life is a result of disobedience. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is if there is a complication in someone's life, oftentimes you will find it's a direct result of sin or disobedience. And then we go to the Lord and we say, because I want to make it very clear, the complications in one person's life could be a result of sin in somebody else's life. The sin in one person's life has a severe effect on somebody else. Don't misunderstand that either. 
Because if, 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 a, if a husband goes out and commits adultery and comes home and it breaks up a family, the, the wife may have done nothing wrong, but she's, she's certainly hurt by it. She's certainly affected by it. So his sin, his disobedience is now affecting the entire family. It can, it can cause an incredible uh, uh, busting up of the family. But I think as, as Christians, it's, it's important that we learn and say, Lord, as I look at these things in my life, are they a result of my disobedience? Is there something in my life that's causing this complication? Have you told me to do something? Have I been shown something in your word? Have I, is there something I'm hanging on to that I should have gotten rid of? And if there's that complication there, it might. It could be a result of disobedience. That's what's happened in the nation Israel. God said, drive out your enemies. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. But when their life isn't going the way they want, they're not looking to themselves. They're not looking to say, you know what, we are not in submission to God. God's not in submission to me is what they're saying. Since God's not in submission to me, we want a king. Doesn't bode very well for them. But that's exactly what's taking place. And then what we see after this warning, we see pure and utter defiance. They defy it. They defy it. They hear what the Lord's saying. You know, this is a perfect picture. So often that we can do this as Christians. We can, we can know what the problem is in our life. We can have it revealed to us. And we can defy it. We go, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going the other way. I, I know you want me to do, Lord. I know that you've made it clear. But I'm not doing it. I'm, I, I want what the world has. I want the thing. I want the problem. I want, the, I, I want this over here. It's, it's pure and utter defiance. We can see it so clearly in the nation Israel, but it's always cloudy when it's in your own life. That's where the prayer comes in. That's where the prayer comes in. As you go to the Lord in prayer, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord shows it to you. You get, you get that revelation. You get that direction. This is what I want you to do. You see, he might just say, you're rejecting me by not being obedient to me. And it, it, it's, it, He's not going to scream down lightning bolts at you. It's going to be that still small voice that puts that, that, that in your heart where you say, you know, I feel guilty about this. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be thinking this way. And whatever it is. But don't get to the place of defiance. Because I just want to show you something real quick. I'm just going to turn over a few pages. I'm going to read them from 1 Samuel 14, uh, verse 52. It says, Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. Saul is the first king. They wanted a king. They're going to get a king. His name's Saul. But the very next line, the very next sentence says this, And when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he took him for himself. You see, what Samuel said, the warning that was given came true. He's going to take your men. He's going to take your boys. He's going to bring you into the army. You're, you're, you're forsaking being governed by God because you want what the world has. And I think that's a tendency for Christians today. I think we want to say that we're governed by God. I, want, we are, I think we want to say we're led by God. But there's this kind of like just in the nation of Israel, there can be this, this mixing in our life where there's a little bit of both. There's a little bit of God, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I would encourage you to, to make it all about God, to make it all about the Lord. And the way that we find that out is, is like Samuel did, through prayer. Go to the Lord and pray. So here we find this utter defiance in verse 19 and verse 20. And then verse 21, and Samuel heard all the words of the people. He repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. Again, he goes back to prayer. He goes back to the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. Notice Samuel went to the Lord and the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. Go ahead, Samuel, give it to him, but give him the warning. And Samuel gives the warning. The people say, we don't care. We want a king. 
Then where does Samuel go? Back to the Lord. Lord, this is what they said. This is what they said. And the Lord says, give them what they want. Give them what they're asking for. But Lord, it's going to be bad for them. I know, but that's what they want. But Lord, it's going to be hurt them. I know, but that's what they want. But Lord, it's going to cause the nation of Israel a lot of problems coming up. I've, I, I know, I know David and Goliath is coming up and the Philistines aren't done. Give them what they want. Go ahead, give them what they want. Because hopefully it'll bring them back to me. Hopefully they'll find out what they had, what they, when they get what they want, it isn't, it isn't really what's going to satisfy them. The nation of Israel, or God says to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. As we pick up next week in chapter 9, we're not going to do it this week. As we pick up in nine, chapter 9, we're going to see that, Sam, that Samuel anoints the first king over the nation Israel. And from then on, they'll be governed by kings. And I have to think what a tragedy it is to be governed by... Can you imagine choosing to be governed by something other than God? Can you imagine submitting your life to the fact where this thing is driving your life, this is who I'm going to be governed by, this is who I'm going to be living by, other than God? Well, that's really what they're doing. We're, we're, no thanks, God. We don't want your promises. We don't want the fact that, that, that we, don't, we don't want what you've shown us. We're just going to take what everybody else has because when we look across the fence and we see the lives of our neighbors, they've got it okay, and we're just happy with that. And i got to believe that breaks God's heart i got to believe he says, no, no, I've got so much more for you. I'll give you what you want. You want it? I'll give it to you. But I've got so much more for you. I've got so much, my ways are better than your ways. I, I can make your life much better. I just need you to submit to me. We don't want to submit, God. You see, this whole problem is a lack of submission to the Lord. A lack of recognizing, their, it's really lack of recognizing the fact that they're unsubmitted to God. Don't let us fall in the same boat. As we look and as we continue to study through 1 Samuel and we see Saul come in, we're going to see him do some dumb things. We are. And we're going to see that it, we're not going to have to look very long to find out, you know what, this probably was a mistake. But I also want you to notice something. At the end of verse, or in verse 18 it says, and you will cry out, in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. You're choosing to go down a road where at some point the Lord's not going to hear you anymore. But I got to tell you the good news. The good news is God's still not done with the nation Israel. As we watch them, as we travel through the Old Testament, we see all their problems, all their issues, everything they've done, all the rejection the promises of God for that nation still hold true today. And we'll see those unfold as we travel in Revelation and study through that book even more. God's still today not done with the nation Israel. He has not left them. He has not turned them over. He's still working, and he will bring them, bring the nation Israel to the knowledge of him at some point. It'll be in the seven-year tribulation period, but their eyes will be opened to where they see it. When we study them, when we looked at this message tonight or this section of scripture, consider three people or consider three perspectives. There's the perspective of the nation Israel. There's the perspective of Samuel. There's the perspective of God himself. The nation Israel, they were foolish. They were following their flesh. They were following their neighbors, wanted everything the world had to offer. Samuel was the man who represented God. 
He knew. He was watching them go down the wrong road and couldn't do anything about it. And God, I believe he was brokenhearted. I believe, he was, I, believe, I believe it's like a dad scratching his head saying, I've got so much more for you. There's so much more potential in you. you, you ju- I just need you to see things from my perspective. I just need you to recognize you're, you're not in my will. And that's where we make the mistake as Christians. We don't ever want to be out of the will of God. You should never want to be out of God's will. Don't ever, don't ever buy into the lie the, the, the world has something that's cool and fun. Because I promise you, it will not. It will never compare to what God has. Don't buy into the lie that this, the, 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 something the world is offering will help you. It might help you temporarily, but it will not give you the help that, the, 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 that Jesus Christ can give you. It won't save you eternally. It might even make you happy for a season or a week or a month or a year. But it's not going to provide the security that the gospel gives. It's not going to provide the hope that the, the word gives. And again, just to reiterate, their mistake was they didn't recognize their disobedience. They didn't recognize that they did, and they didn't repent from it. The nation Israel, when they were in the complication, when the complication was there, they should have recognized it right then and there and said, oh, we've turned away from the Lord. They tried to handle it on their own. Well, we'll just, we'll, Samuel, your sons aren't doing it right. We'll just make a king. Instead of going to the Lord saying, Lord, will you, will you bring us another man like Samuel? Will you, will you raise somebody up? Samuel was raised up in the middle of a corrupt uh, tabernacle. The Lord can raise somebody else up. No, no, we don't want what the Lord has. We want what we want. We want to be like everybody else. As Christians, let's not be like everybody else. Let's be people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ at any cost and trust and know that what he has, when he says, hey, don't do this, don't do that, and that Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit moves on your heart not to, to stop something or to change something about your life or change the way you're thinking, please respond to it. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we look at the nation Israel, I can see us in that. We have a tendency to be like that, Lord. Lord, as we come into complications or difficulties in our life, may, may they just drive us to prayer. And as we come to you in prayer with them, Lord, may we be open. May you reveal to us the cause. May you reveal to us the, the plan that we need to go or the path that we need to take. Lord, the warning for Israel was present and the warnings for our life is present as well. Lord, you always make it well known what's coming. But may we not take them for granted. May we heed the warnings that you put across our path. May we look for those warning signs, those stop signs or yield signs that come into our life. May we see them clearly. May we recognize that they're coming from you. Lord, may we repent and not be in defiance like the nation Israel. May we recognize that you are the one that we follow, not the things of the world. May we not want to be like everybody else. May we want to be the people that you've called us to be, that you've created each one of us individually with a purpose and made us a certain way for your pleasure. May we rest in who we are, knowing we're created by a living God. May we be confident that you knew what you were doing when you made us. May we walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.